0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast,
1: back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got two hours and the clock is ticking. Play ins, playoffs, mock drafts, players saying stupid things, owners saying stupid things. It's the kind of day you dream of. Let's do this. Here we go. go, go. Only one place to start. I watched Kyrie since St. Patrick's High School in New Jersey. The game hasn't seen what his package is. Part time. A quarter of the time, it's the time when he's on the court that is special to watch because last night was different. Now
2: it's time to just really focus in on uh, what the goal is, and that's to be in that winner's circle um, in the next two months or so and keep playing until June.
1: That's Kyrie Irving, and before him, Jay Will giving you the Straight Talk in studio. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Kyrie Irving was spectacular last night, and that's the only place – That we can begin in the borough of Brooklyn, where first and foremost, it was a tragic and frightening day. As I was leaving the studio here yesterday, I was first seeing the news that everyone saw of these horrible, terrible, frightening events that happened in a subway station and Uh, miraculously and wonderfully it does not seem anyone was killed in it but first and foremost our thoughts are with that and it was a here in new york it was um it was a very unusual day obviously with that game then scheduled to be played in brooklyn and so first and foremost we we wish are the very best to everyone who was impacted by that and a quick recovery to everyone who was injured and then we turn our attention to the basketball game and i tell you what There may not be, as I bring together the assembled members of the hashtag crew today, hashtag Hembo, hashtag Nuno, hashtag Bubba, there may not be a more confounding player to try to talk about in sports than Kyrie Irving. Because the things about him that are frustrating, let's let's just use that as a term here, are evident and they're a huge part of the package. They're impossible to ignore. They are sometimes so significant that it clouds a little bit of the judgment you have of him as a player. But then you watch him play and you realize, and Jay Will said this on Get Up With Me this morning on the offensive end of the floor, I'm not sure he's not the best player in the whole league. Like when he's going right. And, and, and a player of his size is never going to be able to dominate every single game. It's just not going to. He's, what is he, 6'2", if he's that. And, and when you've got a guy who's you know seven feet tall, the way Kevin Durant is, there's a level of unstoppableness. But the things that Kyrie Irving can do with the ball in his hands, the things he can do on the offensive end of the floor when he's right, I'm not sure I've ever seen a player quite like him. And last night... He was ridiculous. His performance in the first half of that game last night was as good as you saw from anyone in the entire NBA this entire season. Nuno, let me start with you as my VP of Basketball Insight. How do we talk about Kyrie
3: Irving on the morning after he played that game? I think it becomes a lot of the, like, the what-ifs, right? Because what if he was always engaged? Like, what if, like, I know he takes basketball serious, but, like, I would think if he was all in all the time and there wasn't the distractions off the court, like he would have probably surpassed Steph as a lot of people's favorite player. You know that short, that small guy. Like, and we would talk about is Kyrie a top five like point guard? You know, ever based upon his just ability. But but unfortunately, part of his story is what happens off the court with him. I think that's fair, and I I, I think I actually agree with every part of it. For one
1: game, let me ask you this question, Hembo. One game, or even a series, and your life depends on the outcome. And I'm telling you, you can either have Steph Curry or Kyrie Irving on your team. Which one are you taking?
4: I I would still take Steph Curry. I still would. An MVP of the league. The best shooter we've ever seen. (laughs) But for a single play, (laughs) I think I would probably take Kyrie Irving, who I think... I sort of watch him play... I view him as like an artist almost, and I think he has more... I think there's more beauty to his game than Steph, but I think in terms of the overall effectiveness, the efficiency, I would still take Steph for a single game or for a single season. See,
1: I think Steph's game is beautiful. I mean, the shooting is magical Mm -hmm. sometimes, but there's a clutch element to this. One of the things that sometimes goes unspoken about Steph Curry is that he wasn't the mvp of any of the finals they won even the one before kd got there and was the mvp of those two andrea gadala was the mvp of that finals when the games get bigger steph doesn't always get better kyrie irving has he steps up in big moments Part of it, I think, is that Steph cares more. (laughs) Like, Hmm. I I think sometimes when you care so much about something, that can go one way or the other. Kyrie approaches things with a nonchalance, almost an indifference, that I think is his biggest flaw, but might also in the biggest moments be his best quality. What do you think? Right now, uh, Bubba, I'm asking you the question. One series, you can have either one of those two guys on your team. Which one are you taking? I think I'm going to go Kyrie. Because just a feel, I think uh, you know, just uh, kind of all the things we're just talking about. Though I think the stuff you're just bringing up with Steph, and I
4: think just the Kyrie is just, just the mystery of Kyrie. He's just he's just so good. He's an enigma, and I just want him. If I can pick one person, I just want him. But here's the thing, Greeny. We know Kyrie watching him. He's so good. He's so skilled. But how much of that is is sort of a built-in advantage because he's on the floor with Kevin Durant? Like we saw. We had the opportunity to see Steph with KD, and what we saw was the best basketball team, maybe, of my lifetime. This team in Brooklyn is not anything approaching that. Now, obviously, the ancillary pieces aren't quite there, but I think that needs to be said. Kyrie Irving is able to be amplified in some sense because he's on the floor with Kevin Durant. Well,
1: okay, so we'll make that straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The two times in his career that Kyrie has looked like a player of this caliber, he was either a teammate of LeBron James or a teammate of Kevin Durant. Mm. That's fair, that's reasonable. And if he were the A, and, and clearly, let's not make any mistake, regardless of anything that I've said here, Kevin Durant is the A, and and Kyrie Irving is the best B in the league right now on that team. And that's certainly not insulting anyone. Steph Curry was the B to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is one of the, I don't know, he's the greatest scorer I've ever seen. He's the greatest pure, if, if the objective is to put the ball in the basket, no one I've ever seen has ever done that better than he does. So... That is a very good point to make in all of this. Kyrie has not been nearly as effective when he hasn't had those caliber of people around him. Now, for the most part in Cleveland, he was on terrible teams when he didn't have LeBron James there, uh, both before and after. Or oh, I guess he didn't He didn't last after because he went to Boston immediately. The Boston thing was a disaster. Most of the things that are problems with Kyrie have to do with his determination with with to to whatever degree you question the level of priority that all this is in his life and I I can't sit here and tell you what that is I can't put myself in Kyrie's head I don't know that anyone can put themselves in Kyrie's head he is a complex dude to try and figure out but man he's magic I mean you watch him last night and he's just spectacular and last night is the reason I can't pick against that team. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. I, I will tell you in advance that our social media uh, people at ESPN sent me a note, and uh, not just me, but any number of, of ESPN's uh, talent, and asked us to give a prediction on who will be in the finals and who will win and who will be the MVP, and they're going to send us these cool-looking graphics, and I will post it whenever I get it. I don't have it yet. But... I will just give, you, give it away. As I went through it all, I can't pick against them. I have them in the finals. Now, would I be willing to bet on that? No, I would not. I would definitely not bet any amount of money that mattered to me on the Nets because they're just so undependable that to depend on them feels like a mistake. But just sitting and watching and saying, all right, now they go against Boston. Boston is a great defensive team. Boston, since Christmas, has been as good as any team in the NBA. They have two legit superstars on their team as well, including Jason Tatum, who is an MVP caliber star, and, and Jalen Brown, who is an all-NBA. I agonized over not putting him on my third team all-NBA. He's that level of good, and they don't wind up having to deal with Toronto at this point, so it doesn't make any difference that he's not vaccinated, so he'll, they'll be able to play. And their defense is great. I mean, it's a two against a seven. There's no reason in the world, under normal circumstances, to even consider not putting the Celtics through to the next round. But who among us is willing to do it? Right now, Nuno, if you had to bet a amount of money that mattered to you, and I'm not suggesting anybody does, because to me, this is a toss-up, a toss-up net Celtics. But if I'm making you right now pick one team or the other in a seven-game series between these two, Nuno, which way are you going?
3: I'm leaning the nets at this point because because of those, not not only because of those two guys, but yes, Durant yesterday hit those two dagger shots when it got down to a six to make, to extend the lead to 10. But like there was two plays, uh, you know, where like, you know, Claxton ended up getting a big dunk off a uh, Bruce Brown pass. Like so, those guys kind of stepped up. Like that kind of was the that those moments of like, yes, you have Kyrie and yes, KD, and it's taken a lot for them to beat the the Cavs. But there was these other guys making these play, winning plays late in the game, and that kind of what concerned me. With as good as this, you know, Marcus Smart is, and I know Legs on Get Up said that hey, he's the key, he might be the key for. All, of the playoff for any team in the playoffs. Um, like, I'm still concerned about he's going to throw up some bad shots and, like, kind of not knowing his offensive role, and that's what's going to, you know, put the uh, Nets over. So, like, that's why I'm unfortunately leaning towards the Nets. Why do you say unfortunately? Well, I mean, because I want this to blow up, Greeny. I <laughs> want them to, like, be embarrassed, and I want, to, like, storylines of, you know, do the Nets, like, extend Kyrie like I want all that good stuff like in them winning this at least as a Knicks fan doesn't give me that good feeling
1: Bubba Nets Celtics who do you like I'm gonna go with the Nets two picks for the Nets let's do it Hembo you're the only chance Boston has on this set which who are you picking in this series
4: I'm taking the Nets as well I think Brooklyn wins the series this is a this is a coin flip series to me though and if you're determining then sort of between the margins no Robert Williams for Boston, who might be the best defensive player in the NBA, mm-hmm. who'd be really useful to have in this series, and you might get something out of Ben Simmons, which is which is you know crazy to think about in the, in the grand scheme of all this, but I guess sort of given those things as tiebreakers, I think the Nets, I don't think they're capable of winning as many series as you do, but they're definitely capable of winning this series, and I think they will.
1: Well, the winner of that series, of this series, Nets Celtics, would get the winner of Bucks Bulls, in which the Bucks are a prohibitive favorite. So... The Nets could not have a harder draw, and they deserve it. They had a terrible season for a million different reasons. They absolutely don't deserve an easy path anywhere. So they have to do it the hard way. So they have to open with Boston, which has been as good as anybody, and then they got, if they get win that, they got to go through the defending champs and Giannis, and they absolutely deserve for that to be in their path. But I just can't pick against them. And, and, and I agree, it's also not just KD and Kyrie. But there will be a game somewhere along the line they win because Seth Curry makes seven threes. Like somewhere along the line, Seth Curry is going to make seven threes. You know who else is going to win them a game somewhere? Goran Drogic. There's going to be a game that we wake up the next day and we're sitting here and we say, the Nets won that game because he is on their team. Mm. And Drummond is a, is a piece, and Bruce Brown is a piece. They're not that bad, no. they're good. They have decent players around those two guys, and those two guys are so good, it offends me to my core to say this, but when they are engaged, they are unstoppable. Now, they should be engaged all the time. They get paid tens of millions of dollars a year. It would be nice if they could be bothered to care before the playoffs start, but I can't change that. What I can tell you is that every person on this show thinks they are going to win this series. We'll see. I'm Greeny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business's needs, from quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options. Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Up next, Mel Kuyper has a mock draft. Out some very interesting stuff, particularly up near the top. We'll get to that and more in just a moment. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here he is, the one, the only, Mel Kuyper Jr. Good morning, Mel. Good morning, Greeny. Well, I'm looking forward to this. Mm. uh, Like I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, Last year was my first go around and we were freezing in Cleveland. I have a feeling we will not be freezing this year in Las Vegas, Mel. Sweating. We will likely be sweating. That's correct. We will go from one extreme to the other. Again, the, the draft was supposed to be in Vegas a few years ago. They weren't able to do it because of COVID, so this should be... A celebration par excellence, and we have got Mel's latest mock draft, Mach 4.0, which is available right now. And let me go through some of the things in it that I think are particularly interesting. You have the Lions at number two taking the corner, Ahmad Gardner, everyone calls him sauce, out of Cincinnati. And that that's quite high, obviously, for a player at this position. It would require him being really that level of special, Mel. So for the fans who don't know much about him, is this guy what, what, what can you tell us, everybody about Sauce Gardner, why he's worthy of going that
2: high in this draft? He checks every box. And in order to be ahead of Derek Stingley Jr., and you know about what happened with Derek Stingley Jr., mm-hmm. COVID year, then the injury, uh, after a phenomenal 2019 campaign. So I would have never thought Greeny, after 2019, would ever be talking about a corner ahead of Stingley. Okay? What it took was a Sauce Gardner come along, who not only was a great player, I mean, he didn't give up anything. He gave up nothing. Teams didn't even try to attack him. They gave up. Okay. And also had eight career, nine career interceptions. Even with that, three, three, three. So nine career interceptions, three each year. Then he tests well. Great kid. Aggressive tackles. He, like you say, every box for a corner you want to see, he checks. That's why he's up there in the stratosphere of this draft. That's why everybody I talk to in the NFL says, no, he's one of the top three, four players in this draft. You could make an argument he's the best player in this draft. So even though you, know, you look at the Lions and you say, well, you know, well, Kuda a couple of years ago didn't work out great, uh, you've got to have corners. You've got to cover these guys, and their defense was hor- historically horrible. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I think Sauce Gardner over a defensive lineman is a little bit of a curveball, but it's certainly possible.
1: And then the next, that would leave, because we've talked about this, that the New York teams really control the first two hours of draft night because the Jets have two picks. And by the way, in Mel's mock, he actually has the Jets – Trading up into the end of round one, and and so thus taking three players mm-hmm. in round one. But that being said, the Jets and the Giants then will have four picks between them, uh, between number four and number ten. You have the Jets taking Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end out of Oregon. Tell everybody about him because this scares me to death. I told you this when you and I were talking this morning on Get Up. He's a player that could go one way or the other, and. It has just been too much of my history that when Jets take players who could go one way or the other, they always seem to go the other.
2: Let's hope they go one way, which is yes. opposite. Yeah. Let's hope that we break that streak, Greeny. I don't like the, the pessimism here, but uh, Thibodeau may be hearing a lot of this negativity too. And I like that aspect of a guy coming in with a bit of a chip. Is he perfect? No, he's gonna have to be coached. And then he doesn't have great bend. Uh, he's not Miles Garrett. He's not even work anywhere close to Garrett. Nobody's ever been Miles Garrett coming off the edge with the bend. He's like that speed. You know, back in the old days when you watched, uh, you know, the, the guys that were come on those speed skating and all the different how the bend and how low they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, uh, To me, I don't think Thibodeau is a guaranteed you know, 10, 12, 15 sack a year guy until the wide array of pass rush moves develops. And maybe he will, maybe he won't. Okay, People say, well, he has other interests. Is he focused enough? We'll see. All of it has to come together. All I know is he's a talented kid. His get-off is better than anybody I've seen in a while. Okay, His power is outstanding. He can play inside, outside. He can be versatile. You can move him around. He gets, he's very disruptive inside. So for me, he's going to go. Greeny, We can debate whether he's a boomer bust or better than that, whatever, but he's going to go by seven. Something think he go as high as two or three. He was number one coming out of high school, number one coming into this year. He played after being hurt against Fresno State. He's going to be a guy we're going to be following, and we do it with most of these defensive linemen, Greeny, every year. People, people were ripping Miles Garrett. When he was going to go number one, I was battling on a set to defend Miles Garrett, who's going to be the number one pick overall. There you go.
1: Yeah, and, and now he, you know, is a guy who looks like he's a perennial MVP or defensive player of the year at least. So I agree with you with that. At number five, you have the Giants taking Ikea Quanu, the offensive tackle out of NC State. And candidly, I think I've come to feeling like if he's sitting there at four, that's who I want the Jets to take. Because he feels like the safest pick in this draft, we all know the history of offensive linemen always being this, you know, the, the safest position, the highest hit rate, all the rest of that. He feels like the safest position in this draft and getting an outstanding offensive tackle, which in this case the Giants would get, putting him in either on the left side or the right side. There's, it doesn't feel to me there's ever a bad time to do that, Mel.
2: Well, it wouldn't be, but you already have Makai Becton. If he's going to be your left tackle and if they feel good about him, Fant on the right side did a good job. You got Vera Tucker, who you made the move to get last year. You got Tomlinson. You need the center. We'll get the Linderbaum. And at the end of the first, if they were able to make a move to get him, maybe he could even still be there. We'll see with the short arms. That's why he's dropping. But I think when you look at Iquanu Great player, arguably. You could make an argument he's the best player in this draft. Yep. Certainly no worse than two or three. He can play left tackle, guard, right tackle. He can play anywhere. Though I thought he was a great left tackle, so why not play him there? But they have Becton. And if they feel good about Beckton, then you go a different direction. You try to improve the defense.
1: And then you have the Giants taking Aquanu there. So that works out extremely well Perfectly. for them. Yep. And that brings us to six. And you have Carolina taking Willis, the quarterback, out of Liberty. And – Basically, the two quarterbacks who we expect to go one, two in either order in this draft are Willis and Kenny Pickett um, from Pitt. And the 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 reason I was a little surprised you gave Carolina Malik Willis is that it feels to me like the logic of Carolina taking a quarterback in this spot is because they want someone to play immediately, essentially to try and save the coach's job. He feels not feels he is, according to all of you guys. Not that, that Kenny Pickett is the guy who's much more ready to come in because he's played so much more football, etc., that he's the guy who's much more ready. So why Willis over Pickett in the top ten?
2: Why not take the guy that you think could be the best quarterback when we're looking back on this draft two, three, four, five years from now. If people would have done that. Maybe they would have taken Josh Allen over some of the quarterbacks that went ahead of him. Maybe they would have taken Justin Herbert over, let's say, Tua. Maybe, you know, I can go back into time. You could say the most talented quarterbacks have won out. Okay, You go back to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes when Mitch Trubisky went number two and they didn't. Okay, They were down the line from where Mitchell Trubisky went. So these mistakes have been made when the talent hasn't won out. Lamar Jackson was the end of the first round that same year. Okay, So again, I'm going with the talent i'm going with the high character i'm going with the guy who wants to be great yes he's not perfect he's coming out of liberty okay after being at auburn uh yeah he needs a little bit of work maybe a little bit of time but it, kenny pickett's not this phenomenal quarterback he's a good quarterback he's gonna be 24 he's got 49 starts coached by mark whipple i get that but he's not elite so you take the guy who could be a but it was a home run or a grand slam over maybe the single or double how's that greeny no no that's right and
1: um, but the only i i agree with you actually but in this case, what most people perceive is that the coaching staff is trying desperately to hold on for dear life. And if Kenny you could...
2: Pickett's going to save their jobs. Okay? Well,
1: you did say that in our meeting the other day. Is that Kenny, really is is Kenny Pickett
2: going to beat out Sam Darnold? Uh, that's the other thing. Sam Darnold's been written off as this joke of a quarterback when he had a bad hand dealt to him with the Jets. He had a bad hand dealt to him in Carolina when McCaffrey got hurt. And the offensive line was horrible. Okay, they've addressed it already with a center and guard coming in. So, uh, again, Sam's twenty; with, uh, he's a young kid. He's still very young, and we're going to kick him to the curb it'll be interesting if he beats out Pickett right Uh, and if he and if Willis was there you would have a different scenario because if Sam's the guy and Willis isn't quite ready then that's fine once Willis is ready maybe Sam turns out to be really good Willis is there to be the guy. Pickett's not going to be. You think he, you're think you asking an awful lot, Green. You think Kenny Pickett's going to come in with Carolina and be a better quarterback right away than Sam Darnold is? If he has more power to him, I think it's asking a lot.
1: Yeah, and Darnold is only like a, not even a full calendar year older than Kenny, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's older yeah. than
2: Jordan Love.
1: He is. <laughs> he is. He is. He is. He's going to be the fourth. When he gets drafted in the first round, he'll be the fourth oldest quarterback ever drafted in round one. Again, Mel's 4.0 two round NFL. Mock Draft, which is just must-read, is on ESPN Plus right now. Go see it, um, and we will talk much more about this as we work our way towards it. Mel, thank you, as always.
2: Have a great day, Granny Seepal. Right,
1: that's the great Mel Kuyper, Jr. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with Nationwide 5G and America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. Next. The Scoop. All right. This happened. Um, and I think that this is it's one of the things that I missed while I was away that I think is very interesting. And I wanted to get some takes on it. So you might recall last year, some members of the New York Mets who got tired of being booed by their own fans adopted this thumbs down thing, which aggravated me no end and everybody else sort of their way of letting the fans know they didn't like it. Well, Alec Bohm of the Phillies has said to the Mets, hold my beer, as he was on camera. Now, how many errors did he make in this game?
4: He wound up making three errors, two before the incident that you're going to talk about right okay, now. Okay, so he
1: has made two errors in a game at home. He makes a routine play. Talk me through this, because I was just reading it while I was away. Makes a routine play, and the crowd gives him sort of the
4: sarcastic cheer. The crowd goes wild after goes making wild. like the, the most, the easiest, like... 5-3 put out you could ever imagine. So
1: they're busting his chops. Mm-hmm. His well-deserved busting of chops because he's made two errors mm-hmm. in the game. And he is caught on camera. I know you'll have to clean it up a little bit, but basically what did he say? He
4: said, I bleeping hate this place. That's the exact quote. I
1: bleeping hate this place. And, and to be clear. This was not said in a press conference. This was not said in the locker room after the game to reporters. It was not something that he intended for the public to hear, but it was picked up by microphones on the field. And so he's basically saying he hates the place that he himself plays. Now, I have some sympathy for him because I think if there was a microphone that picked up every word that is ever spoken in the middle of every game, there'd be a lot of guys who have to apologize to their fans for the things that they say, but... This is the reality of the world in which we live. We have an expression in our business, every mic is a hot mic. In his case, I think you have to be prepared that everything you say during a game might be heard by someone you don't intend. So he's got to apologize to, of all people, the fans of Philadelphia. How, as my favorite Philadelphian
4: here, Hembo, how are the fans handling this? The fans are handling it... Differently than I might have expected. So last night, uh, Alec Bohm did not get the start against the Mets, but he did wind up pinch hitting late in the game. Do you know what the fans did when he was announced? They stood and they gave Alec Bohm a standing ovation last right? night at Citizens Bank Park. Now, I was not there, obviously. I was not watching on TV at that point. It was pretty late in the game. But there was probably a mix of like sort of good heartedness, right? And also probably some. Sarcasm, But maybe that's showing like a, a little softer side that some of the country does not know about Philadelphia.
1: Maybe it's also saying we, this is what are we five games into a season? <laughs> if we want this guy to play well, we got to show him a little bit of support here. See, I'm willing to give him the slack on the fact that this he didn't. It's one thing if he gets up there like like Lee Elio once famously did. If these are the real Cub fans, you know, they can kiss my you know what on <laughs> Michigan Avenue, all that stuff. That was th- then he's talking publicly in Bohm's case. This is just a momentary frustration that he feels when being booed. And I get it. Look, I've never been booed, so I don't know what that must feel like. But when he's made two errors, I have to believe the most upset person in the world about that is him himself. Mm-hmm. So here is a vulnerable moment. I'm actually willing to give him some slack and I'm I'm ac- I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised to hear that it feels like it has something of a happy ending in Philadelphia, at least for the moment. Is that an accurate representation?
4: I think so. So after the game in which he uh, said this and and was caught on on camera, he admitted to saying it. So it would have been very easy to to deny it. He said, I said what I said. Did I mean it? No. I take exception to that. I have the sound bite. Let, let, Let me play it. Here's what he said. This is his apology.
3: Emotions got the best of me. You know, I said it. And do I mean it? No. And it's a frustrating night for me, obviously, you know made a few mistakes in the field. And look, these people, these fans, they just want to win. And, I mean, you heard it. We come back. They're great. And I guess I'm just, I'm sorry for them. You know, I, I don't mean that. And Emotion just got the best of me.
1: So you actually love this place? <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: You know what? I do. Yeah.
4: So that's what he said afterwards. Why do you have a problem with that? I don't have a problem with it, but he's, he's not telling us the truth. You don't, so you, the truth comes out in moments like that. So in a moment of adversity for Alec Mom. He wasn't thinking about, like, oh, how can I fix this problem? I can't throw the ball to first base. He was thinking about his environment. And that's an interesting part about playing in Philadelphia because the fans can affect performance if you're not tough. It's a different kind of town. It's a different kind of city. I actually, I genuinely believe when he said that on the field, he meant it, and he backtracked appropriately after the game. But you don't say that kind of thing if you don't mean it in the heat of the moment. I get it,
1: but you only mean, you can also only mean it in the heat of the moment. Like, in a calm moment, do I think he's sitting there thinking, I hate playing here? Or maybe he does, but... Because as you said, it's not for everyone, Mm-mm. but I also, I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass on that. Like in that, when they're booing me, I oh, freaking hate these people. And then like, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, all right, you know, they're probably right to boo me. I'm upset with myself as well. I'm willing to give him a pass. Nuno, let me I just really want a quick take from Nuno on this before I run to other things. Nuno, what is your take on the Alec Baum uh, fan? Look at the smile on his oh, face. God. Go ahead, Nuno. <laughs>
3: uh Alec, we all freaking hate our Phillies, so you're good, bro. You, you're good. Okay. And uh, Hembo, what did he do in that at-bat yesterday? P- Bubba wants to know. I,
4: I don't want to talk about it. What did he do?
3: He struck out, right? No, he grounded out.
4: Yeah, so someone fielded the ground ball and threw him out. <laughs> How perfect. Fair
1: enough. Had he hit it to himself, he would have thrown it into the seats. Uh, as we continue, coming up next, we're going to do something that doesn't get done enough in sports. We're going to give credit where it's
0: due. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
1: We live in in a culture now where there's a lot of criticism all the time, and that's just the way it is, and it's fair, and it's reasonable, and we do our share of it here. Right. On this program, we are willing to call them as we see them. And when someone uh, does something that is worthy of criticism, then I'm more than comfortable with us calling that out. However, what I think there's not enough of is the flip side of that. There's not a lot of not enough of giving credit where it's due, particularly with like super powerful people. We never want to give super powerful people credit where it's due. But Hembo said something to me in the office this morning, and I realized we should just say this on the air. He just looked at me, and we were talking about last night's games, and we're looking ahead to tonight's games. We'll have them on ESPN for you. By the way, I've got countdown tonight, six thirty Eastern, uh, and then we've got Atlanta, Charlotte, followed by San Antonio, New Orleans. And, and Hembo just looked at me and said, "The play-in is a great idea. Like the play-in tournament. This is what the third year of it now, I think, or, or second year, Or whatever I mean, it's year, just the of it year of it is. It? Is it just the second year? Was last year the first year when those? <laughs> the year before was the." Was the was the bubble the bubble? So, whatever it is, second year, third year, whatever year of it it is, notwithstanding, it's just a great idea. It just it enhanced the end of the regular season. It gives a good jump start to the playoffs. It gives an advantage, a big advantage to these teams who don't finish seven or eight. So they get this week of rest and health and everything else. Imagine if Dallas with Luca and a strained calf right now has to play a you know, one and done game. So being finishing where they finished, in, in their case, fourth ones up making a very big difference. So like it's just a great idea. Right? Is that is that right, Nuno? I mean the the, the playing let's just credit where it's due. People don't like to give credit to Adam Silver because he's a rich, famous, powerful person. And he makes decisions sometimes we disagree with and you'll live with it. But let's let's give
3: credit where it's due. This was a good freaking idea, right? No, it's a great idea. And I also that's why the thought of an in-season tournament, um, is something that I'm I'm for because it adds an excitement to the to the regular season and so forth, and that's why I think the Lakers crashing out and burning is a disappointment because this is built for teams like that and they couldn't make it. Yep. Um. So like I think the the one thing and I know they were talking about it yesterday during the game is that Kyrie went what started the game twelve for twelve and yeah. it's not a playoff record because it's not a play a uh, playoff game.
1: Right. That's correct. Those games are not considered playoff games. They're play-in games, and that's fine. One way or the other, that was a major change in a sport, and a good one. It isn't the biggest change we're going to see to any of our most popular sports. Did you see what Dabo Sweeney said? This was another thing that happened over the weekend while I was away. Clemson football coach Dabo Sweeney said he thinks a lack of uniformity will lead to a complete restructuring in college athletics at some point soon, in particular, He sees the larger, more prominent Power Five schools forming their own division in football. Quote, I think there's going to be a complete blow up and there needs to be. I think eventually there'll be some type of break and another division. Right now, you got everybody in one group and it's not feasible. Alabama has different problems than Middle Tennessee, but we're trying to make them all the same and it's just not. I think you'll have 40 or 50 teams and a commissioner, and here are the rules. And that'll be it. And I think he's 100% right. I've been saying this for a long time, Hembo that the sport on the verge of the biggest change is going to be college football because the way they go about their business makes no sense. Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee and Alabama as a reasonable schools to pick. You could pick a lot of others. Shouldn't be playing by similar rules. Let the five big, let, let the 60 or 70 or whatever it is, teams that really matter in the country go form their own division, their own thing, make up their own rules about amateurism, however it is that they see fit. Let everybody else play their own football. I think that that actually is the right thing if they get it right, and that is definitely on the horizon.
4: I agree with that. There's no obvious reason to me why college football, at least high-level college football, needs the NCAA for anything. If anything, I think the NCAA has suppressed that sport, at least in recent years, because we've seen with the playoff and now NIL, there is just an unimaginable amount of money to be made, and there's so much interest that i think if those five conferences i think we might even wind up having fewer conferences than five there might have only be three or four decide they want to do their own thing i think it would be an objective good and that way the group of five teams and those that don't want to swim in those waters have a chance to compete for something more meaningful and then they're not swimming in that same pool with you know alabama and clemson and teams like that
1: yeah and i I think that it would i think in the big picture it is beneficial and does it mean that those smaller schools will have no chance to compete? They don't anyway. So, I mean, don't let Cincinnati fool you. That happens once every however long. I mean, this is, I don't think that it is worth blowing up an entire system so that once every 15 years, one team gets some shot at it. This isn't basketball, where it makes sense to put teams on the same floor with each other because you never know what St. Peter's might do. Football is an entirely different animal. And I, I, I think that the time has come. Now, the question about how professional it will be, how much money is involved, and will that change people's perspective? Those are interesting questions that they'll have to answer.
4: For sure. But using Cincinnati as our example... They've had they've had a great stretch under Luke Fickle. They're going to join the Big Twelve. That's still going to be an option right. for teams. It makes so much sense for college football to almost secede, and I think it would make this. They, so they, t- totally they could move. have relegation. They could have
1: relegation. Actually, do it. That the, they could actually. We keep talking about it. Relegation is something we need in American professional sports. This would be something to do with the professionalization. You move up Cincinnati, and someone
2: gets Kansas, bumped down. You're out.
1: Think of the pressure <laughs> that is involved uh, on these schools because of the money that's involved. Anyway, I'm only half kidding about that that we'll see one way or the other uh, coming up i'm going to pick the entire nba playoff bracket we're going to attach the ultimate kod to one nba team next
0: thanks for listening to greeny the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 eastern on espn radio and see it with the video on espn plus also catch Greeny on get up weekday mornings at 8 on espn and also available wherever you get your podcast